Hey guys, this is Sarah from Engage Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast today. Subscribe to our podcast channel in iTunes so you'll get sermons as we upload them. We would love for you to leave comments and like our podcasts in iTunes as well. If you have any more questions or want more info about Engage Church, check out our website at engagechurchduluth.com. Enjoy! I'm Pastor Josh. This is Engaged Church. We're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest today, we just our, our biggest goal here today for you is that you would just feel welcome. We really want this to be a place where you feel welcome, where you can grab a cup of coffee, someone smiles at you, and uh, you can just sit down and, and worship God with us. It's, it's so good to have you here. You know, we're, we're talking about inviting a lot lately because... Number one is we, we need to actually live a lifestyle of invitation, you know. Uh, scripture talks about when we're on fire for Jesus, when we're moving towards Jesus, when we're, when we're following him, when we're living his principles, that, that actually people will be compelled to come around you. They'll see something different in you. And, and that'll bring people around. And so that's kind of part of how we live our lives. That's really the first step. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But also we're talking about inviting in a very practical, real way. Like we want to get out to this great city and we want to invite people like, hey, will you come to church? And we don't have to do it with a little goulash, you know, like kind of confusion there that happens. But we just want to be bold in that. Maybe there's somebody that God's putting on your heart. And, um, and we just came up with this very simple thing. Cindy's going to pass these out. If you want to raise your hand, if you haven't got one of these last week, it's very simple. It has our logo at the top and it says, pray for and what we want to do is we want to pray for somebody by name, just that we're going to invite to church, and then we're just going to pray that as we have that opportunity, that they might be open to that. And so um, we really want to be focused on praying for people and inviting people. We just believe that God has something for everyone. Now let me tell you this, we're not a church, we're not a gathering of people that think that everybody in this city right now that's not going to church is just like living this depressed, you know, they don't know what they're doing with their finances, they're not joyful, they, you know, they're just complete sinners. We don't believe that at all. We just know that the truth is, is that Jesus loves and accepts all of us and when you have a life with Jesus, when you seek after him, your life changes for the positive. And we're, we're just trying to bring that message, all right? So we want to be bold. We want to do what we're called to do and reach out to others as simple as, hey, would you like to go to church with me? That's it. As simple as that. You guys probably all should have got one of these. If you hadn't, there's these things when you walked in the door, um, somebody handed to you. And these are actually, the reason that we put these on here is, I want you guys to put these on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, whatever. These are Sundays where I want to really, as your pastor, ask you to commit to being a part of these Sundays. And actually, there's a Good Friday service in here as well. It's very hard for us to do all these announcements. Engage has so much stuff going on in 2017 to build God's kingdom. I am super excited about it. We're, yeah, amen. We're just, we're, we're excited to be a part of this city. We're excited to be able to meet here at the Clyde. And we're excited just to move forward and show people how much Jesus loves us by the way that we love one another and love on them. And so these um, uh, are, are certain Sundays where we're, we're expecting that it's a little bit easier of an invitation. 
You know, sometimes it's really hard, like, well, when it's just kind of like a, a casual Sunday, it's kind of hard for me to know how do I invite somebody. But let me tell you something. People are out there, they cannot wait to come to an Easter service. Whether they go to church every week or not, I'm telling you, it's an easy invite. Practice with that. Invite people to our Easter service, right? Uh, get them here. And, and I promise you, I am very well prepared. I've been planning that message for two months now, and I'm going to continue to pray over that because I know that there will be guests here that need to hear something different. They need to hear some, that this is a place of community and trust and acceptance. That, that God loves them right where they are, but he doesn't want to leave them right where they are. Amen? And I just believe that God is going to do something powerful through that. Not because it's Easter Day. Not because it's Easter Day, but because Jesus wants to change hearts. Okay? And here's the awesome thing. He's using you guys to do that when you invite somebody. So these are our, our Sundays. There's also a Good Friday service. I'm super excited about this. At the Clyde, we can't always meet here. And so on Good Friday, it's the Friday before Easter, um, we are actually going to partner with One Life Church. They're, they're just an incredible church out there doing the same types of things we are. They're on the North Shore, um, and, and we'll have all the details for you. You can go online and find that out. Um, our, our website's at the bottom here. But that's just going to be kind of a, a Friday night service at 7 o'clock. We're going to partner with that. It's going to be about 20 minutes to a half hour worship, a quick little message, and then we're just going to hang out. And I love it that we're actually partnering with another church because that's what it's about. It's about the global church, not just about engage and we're trying to build this empire right we're trying to expand out into this city and partner with this city whether it is a church whether it is our our city leaders whether it's another nonprofit organization trying to do something we want to partner with people amen, amen. thank you for that somebody drank their coffee this morning all right no, this is good. So guys, please, uh, keep these on your heart, on your mind. Uh, let's build some momentum with these dates. We can do that. We can do that. Uh, crowds draw crowds. And we're not just trying to have all these numbers here on a Sunday so we can like put on a sheet like, oh, we had you know 10 last week and 12 this week, woohoo, and we're all excited. I mean, that's really exciting. But all these empty seats could be filled with somebody that needs to hear about Jesus. And even something else beyond that is somebody that needs a friend, somebody that needs a community to be a part of, somebody that needs people to come around them and love on them. And I just believe that you guys as engagers are definitely the people to do that because you are so welcoming. I hear we've been doing this for two years. You guys need to hear this about yourself. We've been doing this for two years. And I like to follow up with every newcomer as long as they fill out one of those cards. So if you haven't done that and you're new today, please do that. I just follow up. It's a simple phone call. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to uh, ask anything out of you. I just want to ask how we can pray for you. But I always ask them one question when they come back for the second time or maybe the third. What brought you back? And guys, I cannot remember one time, I could be wrong on this, but I can't remember one time where the people or person that came back did not say one of the reasons was because they were so welcomed and that somebody remembered their name, somebody offered them some coffee, somebody asked to sit with them. That's you guys. I mean, you can't see it because I'm wearing long shirts, but I get the chills over stuff like that. You want to know why? I've been in church my whole life and I haven't experienced that. I'm not saying that there's churches out there that don't do that, but I just haven't experienced it on the level that I have here. I'm so proud of you guys for that. That's nothing that I can really instill in you. That's who you are. So keep being that way. 
Keep accepting people. Keep loving on people. And today we're going to continue to talk about how we can live these inviting lives and and maybe how we can change our attitude a little bit to be more Christ-like in that area. Amen? I'm excited for what God has going on here at Engage Church. He is just hitting the tip of the iceberg of what he wants to do in you and what he wants to do in this awesome local church. It's amazing. I'm not even patient enough to, to, I pray for patience all the time, because I'm like, all right, Jesus, let's just do this thing. Like, I, I keep just feeling this, him ready to burst here. So let me start with this. Have you guys ever, uh, uh, or how many of you, whatever, have ever felt rejected? I mean, definitely, I have. we can raise hands, because we're all friends around here, right? Most of us here have felt rejected. You know, one of the worst feelings is to feel left out, is to feel rejected, is to kind of feel like you don't belong or, or overlooked. You know, that's almost the worst, is almost like you're almost forgotten. I mean, that's just not a, not a, not a good feeling. You, you know, like, have you ever been like the last one picked on the dodgeball team? You know, um, I was kind of a sports guy, and, and that wasn't something that really happened to me later on in high school and stuff, but when I was younger, I remember like a t-ball game where it was like everybody was picked, and here's Josh just kind of sitting there like, pick me, and like nobody picked me. It was like the worst. I, I just, I remember that still. I was like five or six kind of thing. Um, many of us, you know, maybe we didn't uh, get a chance to sit at the popular table or the table that was like accepted in school. Whatever that was, we felt rejected. And through technology these days, through technology, it's like new ways of feeling rejected, right? Like you post a picture up there, it was like my favorite breakfast place or something like that, you're all excited and it's like ding, ding, two days later, like two likes and you have like a thousand friends. It's like, man, what's going on, right? You just get this sense of rejection. I don't know, social media can do that to us at times. Or here's one, and this is just something that I, you know, Listen, my wife teases me all the time. I'm 34 or 35. I think it's 35. I don't know. I don't pay attention to age anymore. But I'm 35. And, and, but if I would write down on paper like what I like to do and who I am, I'm probably between 60 and 80 because I'm like the oatmeal guy, the newspaper guy, the watch the birds in the morning kind of guy. I mean, it's just kind of weird. But one of the things that bothers me is like here we are with these cell phones, right? Everybody's probably got one or most of us do. And it's like you send a text out. Remember the days where it was okay to go like 24 hours without responding to somebody and nobody freaked out? Like, you know, like are you, are you dead on the side of the road or why aren't you getting back to me? Are we still friends? It's been like three hours. You know, like that kind of thing. You know, if you send a text nowadays and you don't see those little bubbles coming back to you, it's like you feel rejected, right? Technology, it's just crazy. So, so we get the idea that, that it's just not, a, not a, a great thing. You know, I have one story that I always like to tell you guys a story, and I don't know why I do this, because it just gives you guys fuel to, to get on me once in a while. But I was, in, uh, I was in high school, and we had two dances. Like, for the older classmen, so I think it was like um, juniors and seniors, you would have the prom, right? Woo, everybody wants to go to the prom. And then we would have this thing where um, it was the hop, and you could, like, ask anybody to go. It was kind of for ninth grade all the way through 12th grade. So here I am in ninth grade, right? I go to the hop, and I don't know why. I just didn't go with a girl. We just kind of went with a group of guys. And, um, and there was this one girl. She was, she was a senior. She played basketball, and uh, it wasn't my wife, so I better be careful how much I go into this right here. But she was, you know, I'm I'm seeing her across the room, and and I knew who she was. I kind of liked her. And so I just kind of get bold this night. I'm like, I'm doing it. I am doing it. I don't care if I'm, I'm doing this. I'm walking up. 
we're going to dance tonight. This is just how it's going down. So I walk up, and I like to think I was smooth, but I probably wasn't. End up dancing with her. And then another dance, and then another dance, and we're dancing all night long, right? So after the hop, um, it became phone conversations. Remember when you'd like grab the phone and the cord was like as long as your house and you'd walk down the hallway and lock yourself in the room? So we'd start doing these phone conversations. Then I'm like, man, I think that she likes me. I think this is going to go somewhere. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question, like, are we a thing? You know, like that kind of thing. And I just, I mean, I remember my heart just pounding. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. And then the other thing is like, why am I so nervous? And so we're on the phone because that's how you start to date all girls. You call them on the phone and say, like, would you date me? You know, that kind of thing. How cheesy was I? Um, anyhow. So, so I call her, we're talking, and I finally got up the courage, and I'm like, hey, Deidre, so I don't know, I just think that this is working out, like, maybe we could be a couple. This was a response. Yeah, you know what, Josh, um, I've actually thought about that, and the more I think about it, because I'm a 12th grader, I think people would just laugh at me. So, like, no, we're not going to do that. This is honestly like her comeback to me was, I think people will laugh at me. I would have rather her say, no, you're just not my style or something like that. But it was, people are going to laugh at me. So after I picked myself up off the ground, cried, my sisters encouraged me, whatever it was, I didn't really cry. But we all know, that's a story of me being rejected. People are going to laugh at me. That was, that was just great for my confidence. So I caught up the courage, got knocked down, we've all all been rejected. That has nothing to do with the service today. I just wanted to tell you guys a story, so you're welcome for that. Um, no, Anyhow, so what we're kind of talking about here coming into Easter and as we look at the city is we're really talking about the people, the ones that the world, that our culture, that our society would call an outcast. Now that looks like many different things, I understand that. But I want you guys to understand something about Engaged Church. Engaged church exists for the outcast. Understand that. I understand that this is not maybe for everybody. There's not everybody that walks through our doors is not going to like kind of feel like this is like a, a fit for them. But we exist for the outcast. Why is that? Why, why do we exist for the outcast? Well, because our goal is to create a Sunday morning experience like you're in right now that an outcast would want to be a part of. The reason why? is because our mission is that we want to connect people with God and we want to connect people with the church family. Because we believe when you're connected with God, your life changes and that through a church family that you can continue on these next steps, we'll call them, in your spiritual journey and it'll strengthen that. You'll be a part of something bigger than yourself. It's not just because we need chairs set up on Sunday morning, even though we do, it's because we really want you to grow as an individual. We want you to grow closer to God. And guess what? We were meant to be partners in life with other human beings. We are relational beings. And so we believe that when you become uh, uh, engaged and when you become connected with the church family, you will grow. It'll bring disciplines around your life. It'll, it'll change things. And so that's why we say engaged church exists for the outcasts. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we uh, reach out to the outcast? How do we become that church? And, and how have we become that church? And the, que or the, que the answer to that question is actually kind of simple, but yet at the same time complicated, is that we have to follow Jesus' example. Just like in our individual lives, we really have to follow Jesus' example if we're going to call ourselves followers of him, if we're going to call ourselves disciples of him. The disciple is a follower of Jesus. We kind of do what Jesus does. We look at his life 
and we see what that means in our life. And so the, the simple answer, and so that's where we're going today because I'm going to talk, we're going to spend some time in Luke 19 today and we're just going to kind of go through this whole story. We're going to see what this has uh, for us and uh, we're going to talk about a guy today that actually deserved rejection. Deserved rejection. And I think that we all get there because, see, we, we all know what it's like to be rejected. It's not a good feeling. But at the same time, here's a little truth for you that might sting a little bit this morning, but hey, we're all friends and family here, so let's, let's just see what God has for us. But we're, we're, we understand that it hurts to be rejected, but yet that's kind of what we do often. And, and I'm not even going to, I'm going to argue that we don't always do it on purpose, but there's just things that we've kind of made up in our mind, whether it's our life experience, maybe how we were brought up, and even some of our beliefs that maybe we've gotten twisted at times or, or so forth, that we've just made decisions that certain people deserve to be rejected. We don't say that out loud because that certainly doesn't sound good on a Sunday morning, does it? But the way that we respond to people shows that. And Jesus says that they will know you are mine when they see how you love each other and see how that we love them. And so I'm not saying that by accepting somebody means that you have to get down and dirty and, and do what they're doing or that you're expressing that, that maybe their, their lifestyle or, or what they're involved in or whatever you want to say. I'm not saying that, that that's something that you have to say is okay and you have to be maybe morally okay with. What I'm saying is that we accept people right where they are, because that's where God accepts them. Know that truth here today. But the thing about God is he doesn't want to leave them there. But that's between God and them. We are called to love on them, to, to, to walk with them, to point them to the one that convicts their hearts and changes their lives. Because I've never changed anybody's life. I've only pointed them to the one who can. And nobody changed mine, they just pointed me to Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at this. Let's start in Luke uh, 19, verse 1 and 2. We're going to talk about a man named Zacchaeus. Uh, let's see here. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Yeah, wealthy is an understatement. This guy was uh, very wealthy. In fact, Zacchaeus was actually very much hated very much hated by the community. When I say hated, I mean, think about it. It was like literally hate, and I'll explain why. Because to be a tax collector, you actually had to bribe a Roman official to become that. Like, it was kind of like, hey, it, it was just this corruption already. You're just, maybe in some ways, how some of us would look at, like, politics and things like that. Like, it just, there was no, nobody thought that a tax collector was like a straight arrow. Didn't happen. You really weren't. You had to bribe to get in there. Um, the other part about it is that Zacchaeus was a Jewish man, but he worked for the Roman government that was oppressing the Jewish people. So his own people, he would go up, and how you made money as a tax collector is that, let's say the Roman government said, hey, this, this widow over here um, owes $100 for her property taxes, we'll say. Well, to make money, Zacchaeus would be like, okay, well, I'm going to have to charge her 150 because i got to get mine too. So he would say, okay, you owe 150. So you're, you're robbing from your people to gain all this wealth. And not to mention how much he was making money that way, he was also the chief tax collector, so he was the boss. So he was getting a piece off of all these other tax collectors because he would kind of train them up and, and get them out. So this man was wealthy, and it didn't come in an honest way at all. The other side about this is that uh, tax collectors were not allowed in the synagogue. 
So, so right there, that you just kind of see this, this rejection. It was like this spiritual rejection. He probably wasn't really like a good prayer. He, he didn't really know scripture because he wasn't allowed there. Um, and so on the outside, even though he was a hated man, everybody around would be like, wow, this guy's rich. He's got it all. You know, he's got the nice house. He's got the pool, whatever they had back there, you know, the, the herds of cows and oils, and I don't, I don't really know the whole deal, but, but they would look, and he's got, it every, he's got everything. Just like we would look at somebody who has lots of money maybe, and some of us would say, man, that person's just got it going on. They've got it going on. You know, they got the Ferrari. They got the infinity pool. They got the closet that has the thing that comes down, and you can walk in it, and the shower that's like you can fit 10 people in there if you wanted to. They just got it going on. But I will tell you this. It doesn't really say this, but as we, as we walk through this, I can just understand that I've known some wealthy people in my life, and, and there's some that are happy, and there's some that are sad, but I've never heard one of them say that their money has brought them happiness. In fact, it's probably been more the opposite that I've had conversations where they've, they've, they've felt like they've had all these people around them, but they feel extremely alone. They feel extremely rejected, and I have to imagine that Zacchaeus felt the same way. He was tired of being hated. Who wants to be hated? Come on. Nobody does. Who wants to feel alone? Who wants to feel guilty? You imagine the guilt this guy must have felt? I mean, he has to really suck that down to like get over that and wake up every day and keep robbing widows and things like that. Felt disconnected from God and, uh, and realized probably what he was doing. So people would kind of look on from Zacchaeus and they would kind of see the, the riches and be like, okay, he's got this on, but they wouldn't really see where he was hurting. And I just feel like we do that often, not always on purpose, but we look on from people and we, and we don't really see where they might be hurting or where, where they might be even happy, but yet they still need Jesus. Even in their joy, they need Jesus, right? We have a tendency to overlook and we don't take the time to understand because we're so quick to reject, even kind of in our subconscious, if you will, not always out, out on, uh, purposely. And so, anyhow, this is where Zacchaeus was. You know, we, we've, all, we've all done this where we've kind of overlooked, like, like um, we see uh, great marriages in this, in this uh, congregation here, in this church, right, this local church. And we might think, man, they have this all going on, but yet they're, they're struggling in some way. There's just, there's just some things, this area where they're trying to strengthen, okay? It's, it's not always something that we, we need to overlook. We don't know where they're hurting, which is why we need to accept people. Maybe, like, we're very well-liked, but yet the image of ourself is just so broken and shattered that we just can't even find like self-love for ourselves. We're, we're not liking what we see in the mirror and it's just, it's just awful. But yet people just surround us, right? Like we, we're the most popular people out there. We're strong Christians maybe, strong followers of Jesus. It, it comes across that way. But yet at the same time we're in this spiritual crisis and we don't know how to get out. Sorry, that's me moving around there. I apologize. Um, and again, this is where Zacchaeus says, if you look on uh, uh, verse 3 here, as people are looking on and, and we don't really understand his struggle, it says this, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. This guy was vertically challenged, honestly. In fact, a lot of scholars actually say that he was um, a little person, like very, very small. And so he really couldn't see over the crowd. Um, and, and this is a person that is in deep, deep, the depth of his rejection, some of us probably can't even understand. Because he was a tax collector, everybody's rejecting him, everybody's hating him. Not just a couple people, I mean, you're hated. 
And then he's also this, this short man, this, this uh, very small guy, and, and, and there was rejection that came with that. But the interesting thing where this story goes is surely he must have heard about Jesus accepting Matthew. Matthew was another tax collector that happened kind of earlier on before Zacchaeus, and Jesus accepted him and, and went to eat at his house and, and brought him into a, a, a relationship with him, and it's just so exciting. Surely he would have heard about that. And what is so cool about the rest of the story is that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus for himself. He wanted to see what that was. He didn't run towards people. He ran towards Jesus. Even this hated tax collector, broken, rejected, runs after Jesus. Verse 4 says, So he ran and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So there's two things here. He ran and he climbed. This is something that, that a Jewish male would not have done. The reason being is they would wear robes, and it was very much um, very dishonorable. Like if you would like run and your, your robe would kind of swing up and somebody would see your legs or something like that. kind of sounds funny to us. I'm the guy that wears like the cutoff jeans. Like I'm just kidding. I don't wear those. But, um, you know, like it was very like kind of like just rude and, and not a thing that somebody in leadership would want to do uh, is to show their legs so that he climbed. It just means like, you know, you hear stories of uh, in the Bible there was a woman that was bleeding for years and years and years and she crawls through this crowd just to touch Jesus's robe because she believed that he would heal her you hear of four guys that take their crippled friend and they actually dig in a roof can you imagine we're sitting in here one Sunday and all of a sudden just meh, we hear this welder and like some crippled man gets like lowered down to us we're like what is going on who does that to a building right these guys dug through a building the rooftop so that they could get to Jesus because the crowds were too great. They, they, were, they were just going at it. The point is, is that sometimes when you're looking for Jesus, and this part's for you, when you're looking for Jesus, no matter where you're at, sometimes you have to reach, sometimes you have to dig, and sometimes you have to climb. That is just the bottom line here. We have to climb over our pride, we have to dig through our excuses, and we have to reach out beyond our fear. We have to get beyond this. Here's what the Bible promises all of us, included the rejected, that when we seek Jesus, here's the promise, you will find him. It's not some little secret mystery where he's like hiding under a chair and you got, no, when you seek him, like you just lost your car keys and you're like, nope, I got to find him, I got to find him, you will find him. That is good news here this morning. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, now this is how Jesus responds to the rejected, this is where we come in. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. I love this because Jesus calls this rejected, sinner, bad person, whatever you want to say, he calls this person by name. He, he guides him like the good shepherd does, and he says, you come down here and I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to your house and hang out. And this just freaked people out. It must have, because people are thinking, hey, Jesus, I, you know, I know that you're who you say you are. I, I follow you. I, you know, what about me? Why aren't you coming to my house? Why are you going partying over here, right? Sounds kind of like maybe some people that we've heard or maybe ourselves of how we look at rejected people. Sometimes we, we want to keep Jesus all for ourselves, and we think that it should look a certain way. But he likes to party with the messy. It's just the way it is. He wants to be around them. Verse 6 and 7 says, So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. 
he has gone to be, with a guest, to be the guest of a sinner. Harsh words. And this is where I just, want to, I just want us to turn for a second, just look inside. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to, to point any pressure on you. I just want to open your heart up and, and, and shed some light that this is where we find ourselves a lot. It's even sometimes with good motives, but, but we kind of have this idea of like, they deserve that lifestyle that they're living. They, you know, they, they decided to, to get into meth and things like that, and so, hey, they had it coming. I believe in consequences for our action. Believe me, my, we have a, a little paddle at home. It's called the reminder. Oh, yeah, I believe in that. And I've, I've had to suffer consequences. But the point is, is like, we, we, don't we get there sometimes where we're so harsh, but yet Jesus' response. See, we can be the crowd or we can be Jesus. I prefer to be Jesus. And Jesus' reaction is, come down from there, we're going to your house, and I'm hanging out with you. Because these people, they're kind of stuffy, and they're, they're like kind of angry about something, I don't even really know what, but I want to hang out with you, because you're excited, you came and climbed a tree for me. And, and the thing is, is Zacchaeus immediately changed. D.L. Moody, I've said this before in a sermon a while back, but he said Zacchaeus converted from the limb to the ground. Before Zacchaeus' feet even came down, the acceptance that he received from Jesus changed his life. It, it changed his life. It changed the course of where he was going. It changed his heart. It changed everything about him. Everything about him. And I wonder what some people in this city that need to be accepted, the course that they're on, I wonder how that could change if they felt that same kind of acceptance from us. Because Jesus wants to use you to show him that. Believe that today. He wants to use you because this is what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He's on a limb, a tax collector that's stealing, cheating, getting, you know, bribery, all that stuff. Jesus says, you better get down here because I want to go hang out with you. You matter to me. He hits the ground a different person. He's willing to give that life up. He's running away from that life. Amen. That is, that's some good scripture right there. Wow, that excites me. And here's the thing, Zacchaeus did not change his mind because he wanted to get Jesus' approval. He already got Jesus' approval, and so he doesn't give everything back because he's trying to earn an approval. He gives it back out of a response of approval. See, we can understand a God who would forgive a sinner that comes to him for mercy. We can all understand that. Like, oh yeah, if somebody comes up to you and they, they actually get it, we understand a God like that. But doesn't it just take a, a, a crazy uh, God that, that intentionally searches after sinners and then joyfully, front-loadedly forgives them? I mean, that kind of God must possess an extravagant kind of love. That's the character of our God. It's not as everybody runs to him. He is searching intentionally for somebody to joyfully forgive, for somebody to just joyfully change their lives and say, man, I've been waiting for you, just like Heather kind of talked about. Hey, I've been waiting for you to give that away because I want to just bless you. But until you get over this one thing, I got to kind of, I got to, you're not there yet. What an extravagant love. See, we are extravagant in our response because God was extravagant in his love with his acceptance. He sent his son to die for all of us, right? And, and 
when you meet Jesus, here's the truth today, your life changes. We all have stories. We're going to continue to hear about these all year long. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I just wonder how many people, and I'm talking about Duluth and of course the world, but how many people need that acceptance from you? They, they, need, they just need to feel like they're accepted, that they're not rejected, that they're not the outcast, that they're not the one left out or forgotten, but that somebody's thinking about them because that's a rare thing these days. And our motive behind that is not because like, oh, we're Christians, we have to be like happy all the time. Our motive behind inviting people is because we believe that a, a life with Jesus changes your heart, changes your life, puts you on a path like you've never imagined before. That's why we accept people. That's why Engage exists for the outsiders. That's why we want to point people to God, and that is why we want to point people to a, connect with a church family. Even if I'm rejected by people, this is the truth today, when I'm rejected by people, I'm accepted by God. God knows my name and he knows your name. He calls to you, he loves you, and he accepts you through Jesus. God loves you. We have to share that kind of love. We just have to. We, we don't need to go any deeper. We don't need to go any deeper. We need to figure that out. And we need to share that. That will change this city, that'll change this church, that'll change the world. Verse 9 and 10 says this, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to save the lost or the outsider or the rejected. Amen. I'm so excited about that. I want to share one quick thing and then we're going to go into communion. 87,000 people, and I know it's a little bit under that, but I'm going to, I need easy math, okay? 87,000 people are in Duluth alone. Now, now, we minister to Superior and Proctor and the surrounding areas, but let's just talk about Duluth, right? 87,000 people live in Duluth. Do you know that the truth is under 10% of them, under 10%, we're going to go with 10% today, but under 10% actually say that they have a church home. And I would imagine that the number that would actually say that they, they feel accepted and that they follow Jesus is much lower than that, right? I think we can all get there. And so the reality of it is, is that we have 78,300 opportunities in this city. We have 78,300 opportunities in this city. Opportunities to show acceptance, to show love, to point people to Jesus. 78,300. Let that sink in for one moment. And you might say right there like, okay, <laughs> Pastor Josh, that's kind of wishful thinking. I get that. I'm not saying that 78,300 have to come to engage. But I, until I quit breathing or stop heartbeating, I'm going for one more. There's a story I always remember, and it reminds me of how I want to invite people. There's a, there's a I, you know, I don't know if this is real. It's not, but it's just an illustration. But there's a young boy and there was a, a big wave, I've told this before, and it brought in all these starfish to a beach. And there's millions of them. I mean, just scattered everywhere. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that happen with jellyfish and stuff, but that really happens. Scattered everywhere. And he's just kind of walking down the beach, and he's picking one up, and he's throwing it back. And this, this older guy kind of comes up to him, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, this is impossible. Like, it doesn't matter. Just stop. You're not going to save them. It doesn't matter. 
and he picks up one starfish and he looks at it and he throws it back in and he says, it mattered for that one. And then he grabs another one and he throws it back in and he says, it mattered for that one. The way that we approach the 78,300 people in this city that need to be accepted and need to be understand that they're not rejected and need to understand who Jesus is in their lives is just like the starfish. We reach one more person for Jesus. We do that together and we build this thing because people matter to Jesus and people matter to us and people need a friend so we build relationships and then we want to serve those people. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to add us to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Engage Duluth, on Facebook, and on the web at EngageChurchDuluth.com. See ya.